Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. So, hey, I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host here, as always, Chris Flaming. And today I have the pleasure of welcoming Jeffrey Levine to the show. For over 40 years, his accounting firm has been helping individuals and small businesses in the greater Boston area manage their financial affairs. A self-described financial therapist, Jeff works hard to ensure all clients receive rigorous attention to their financial needs. He especially enjoys working with entrepreneurs, closely held business owners, and has been a featured writer for many well-known publications. Jeffrey, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, let's have some fun. So you have kind of an interesting history on your practice and your firm. Can you just briefly take me through what led you to where the business is today? Sure. We were the very traditional accounting firm back in the early 1980s, uh, doing audits, reviews, financial statements, working with uh, small business, closely held businesses, some nonprofit businesses, and a lot of individuals for personal tax preparation. And in this type of practice, usually when you are getting closer and closer to your client base, talking with them about personal issues or whatever they may be thinking about, you know, you make different recommendations, like depending on tax law, you might say you should invest in an IRA, or you should have a self-employed KEO plan, or maybe you should think about buying a house. And the clients would always ask further questions. Well, if I'm going to do an IRA, where should I put the money? Right. If I'm going to buy a house, you know, do I need a mortgage? Do I not need a mortgage? Whatever. And we realized early on in our growth that if we explain to clients more of what we can help them with instead of just doing a tax return or just doing an audit or just helping them with their business for their bookkeeping, if we explain to them that we could really be a true financial advisor and learn them and their personalities from soup to nuts. Uh, we could be better financial advisors, really what I call a financial therapist. We could, we could help them more by knowing more about them instead of just handing them a tax return and saying goodbye. Okay. So over the years, we developed what we call our annual personal financial service, which is their tax return, but also time during the year to ask questions about their budget, their assets, their liabilities, their goals and objectives, really most importantly, their goals and objectives, and using that information to provide guidance during the year instead of always after the fact. So that, okay. that's how it that's how it became what it is. Is that how you came about choosing your firm's main focus and the offerings for the services that you do is from all the follow-up questions? Because you do when you when you answer one question, as I well know, that tends to lead to four or five other ones. That's exactly right. When you answer one question, it always leads to others. And what we also found is that a lot of clients are hesitant to call and ask a question because they're going to get a bill. Mm -hmm. So what we decided is in this annual service, we would package everything in one uh, price, okay. which we actually pre-bill for. We send out our bills in November for the coming year. 
but it includes unlimited communication yes, during yes. the year. It's actually funny doing this for 41 years. We used to say it includes unlimited phone calls. These days it's email or text. It's not yeah. phone calls. Right. Um, but anyway, you're exactly right. By allowing the clients the freedom to communicate with us during the year, it opened up the possibility mm -hmm. of them asking many more questions and puts pressure on us to answer those questions. But it also helps avoid surprises come March or April when we're doing their taxes. So, yeah. so that's that's really how it grew. Okay. So then, if you could if you could go back in time and maybe talk to the younger Jeff, um, what do you think uh, the advice would be that you would give him? Something you know now that you wish you knew back then. I would say one thing is that we we can't help everybody. We can't mm. solve every problem. I certainly try, but uh, in my youth, I always felt there had to be an answer or a way. And sometimes they're just that just isn't true. If somebody has gotten themselves into a problem with the Internal Revenue Service, or they've just overspent their budget or something, some, sometimes as much as I'd like to try, I can't help. The other thing that I would say I wish I knew back then was, uh, <laughs> to be honest, with, with the changes in today's society with remote work, or whatever, I wish I knew a little bit more technology back then and perhaps started uh, more remote work years before COVID hit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you looked the part. You've got the headset on and with the microphone <laughs> on there. So you're definitely looking the part is almost half of the uh, the part of getting success on it, I think. Well, thank um, you. It's been a quick learning. Yeah, we all had to. Yeah. Everybody was hesitant, basically had to catch up to speed. So there are there some areas of your business or your practice that you're finding uh, the most satisfying right now? Honestly, I coined the term financial therapy, mm -hmm. and that is what I find satisfying. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to brag when I say this, but I really do feel I change lives. I look at the individual, not just from the financial point of view, but really more from a, a psychological point of view. I try to get to know the client and how they feel about different things. We try to stay away from politics, but we talk about you know the, the market, the economy, mm -hmm. their kids or their goals and objectives, but a lot of different things. And what I enjoy about that is you really need that information in order to help them figure out the answers with their finances. Uh, whether it's a small business and looking at succession plan or a older client looking at estate planning, a lot of it has to do with how they feel about things and what their goals and objectives are. It's not just one plus one is two. It's really you know all the different factors that are put into what I like to call a jigsaw puzzle in a way of gathering the information. I'm sort of creating a jigsaw puzzle that I then have to fit all the pieces together to describe it adequately to the client. And it's, it's extremely rewarding to me, not just on the financial side, but really on the, on the satisfaction side. I love that I'm helping clients with their lives. Well, and the, that, you know, there's that saying that people make uh, decisions with their emotions and then they justify it with the logic after. And uh, to ignore that human side of things and understanding people or helping them make decisions, you do that at your own peril. That's very true. Yeah. So are there some common maybe misconceptions that people have when they first start working with you? Things they believe about the, a tax professional or a financial therapist? I, I think there are. Certainly the accounting profession and, and uh, tax tax professionals do have a bad name. A lot of a lot of people feel their accountant is very dry or you know doesn't necessarily have a personality. There's a joke in the accounting business that the definition of an actuary 
is an accountant without the personality. Yeah. Um, but but no good. offense to the actuaries, no yeah, offense to anybody. Right. But anyway, um, there are certainly preconceptions that that you know that our job is to bring them down to a zero tax, which is not yeah. really true. Our job is to provide an accurate tax, or that you know accountants are very dry and they're only going to be by you know very factual when by us expressing the desire to learn about their personality or learn about their goals and objectives, we're opening up the door to much more than just one plus one is two. The biggest misconception, unfortunately, is that, uh, you know, taxes are an evil and the government is terrible and everything else. You know, I, I'm a huge believer in the fact that taxes are necessary to fund our country and our state and our uh, mm-hmm. cities and towns, and that a lot of good things happen with taxes, but there's a huge misconception that, you know, everybody's taxes are too high. Yeah. And that's where you get into the political waters, where you start disagreeing about what the tax money should be used for. So that's another topic for another day. You could do uh, seven months of podcasts, but we won't go there. (laughs) Okay, so what services, let's um, switch gears. I know you have a specialty kind of in business owners and entrepreneurs. So what services do you find best enhance what a business should be focusing on? So the services that you all offer that really help business owners to get on the right track, either from the beginning or coming in midway, they start to engage with you. Well, honestly, it always comes down first to proper records. A lot of business people are very good at what they do, but they're not necessarily good at what we call the back of the house or the back room. Uh, You need to have a good bookkeeping system, maybe a good outside bookkeeper or someone who can help them not fall behind on things. You know, the, the early death of a business is always caused by falling behind on required things like meals tax, sales tax, payroll taxes are a huge issue with a small business person. And part of it is quite honestly, the, the, the rules of, are sometimes very complex and they're different between the federal rules and the state rules. And um, perhaps hiring an outside payroll company or a, an outside bookkeeper is very helpful. But the other thing that tends to be an issue with our small business clients is not just the organization of the bookkeeping and the billing, but also keeping a focus on what they're trying to accomplish in their business. We, we do something called helping a client grow their business, mm-hmm. which is perhaps looking at whether they can increase sales or increase the value of each sale transaction. For instance, the Alcon Levine model, we don't sell a tax return. We sell the annual service, which is the tax return plus financial therapy plus questions during the year, a lot of businesses should be focusing more on how they enhance the value of what they're providing, whether it's a product or a service, and perhaps be able to increase the value or increase the price of that service by including extra things. Looking at profitability, you know, uh, small businesses sometimes are not good at budgeting and figuring out what their annual operating costs are. And then they're underpricing their goods. So all those things really come into play with the small business, especially entrepreneurs today. They have a great idea, but they're not quite sure how to put it in motion. That's where their accountant uh, can help them. Yeah, that's the, the analogy where someone might be really good at baking pies or making pies, but they're not good at running a business that sells the pies that they make. That's that's correct. That's the big, okay. So that seems like the biggest benefit to working with a competent professional is um, enhancing the business. So I'm wondering how all those services then better set up the business for an eventual succession plan, because that's really important, right? The two are tied together. They don't necessarily see that, but 
maybe you could um, explain that a little bit and see how those tie. Sure. sure. Actually, it's funny you say that. I just had a conversation with a, a business client today about succession plan. And it reminded me of back 45 years ago when I was in college and uh, management school, one of the professors talking about the goal of every business person is to build a business to sell it. And in, you know, in reality, in my 40 years, I certainly have a lot of businesses that just keep running and running and running, but they really should be creating a plan for succession. Even if they feel that they are in such a personal service business where succession might be hard, yeah. the point is that the value of the asset you've created, when you start a business, you're creating an asset. And the value of that asset is enhanced if you have strategies, procedures that are well-documented and transferable, but more importantly, a succession plan, some way of knowing that someone else might someday be interested in buying your business. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of merger activity going on in this current yeah. environment, and those businesses have successfully built a business that someone else someday wants for whatever they've created behind it, either it's because of a product or a service, or perhaps the processes they developed so that are transferable. It's very important. So, and again, that's a mistake that a lot of small business people make. They don't, they're not thinking of the future succession. They're just thinking about getting the work done today. And they really have to be more proactively thinking because that's the real value of what they're building. It's not just the income they're getting, but someday the capital gain by selling that property. Yeah. It's, it's a huge benefit. Well, and they they don't make that connection because they're tied up in the day-to-day. And the succession planning generally also includes what happens if you want to sell, but it also um, covers what happens if something happens to you, which they don't think about. Everybody thinks that they're invincible, um, that yeah. they'll live forever. Um, and so those are, especially for taking care of a spouse or a family, uh, if they built up that asset, uh, right. it, it would be a travesty that they're not that the family doesn't benefit from that in a way from all that hard work. Right. That's where certainly some small business people, in addition to others, should be looking at perhaps disability insurance, life insurance. But that, you know, that's an issue unto itself. But you're right. Having that succession plan perhaps would make a transition easier if some terrible thing happened. You're sure. right. Okay. So we kind of touched on the annual individual service package. So I'm, I'm hoping that you can just kind of contrast that with the traditional tax model, like the traditional meet with the CPA and do your tax return. And, you know, I'll see you again next year around April 10th, something like that. <laughs> Hopefully sooner than that. Yeah. Um, so again, our model is geared more towards communication during the year. It is geared towards not just the here's your tax return and see you later, but the way we want our clients to use utilize, utilize our service, I'm sorry, is that from May to November is when we expect them to have that therapy session. We have a calendar available on our online so that they can book an appointment. And what we do then is we send them out a worksheet that they fill in that helps describe their assets, their liabilities, their cash flow. And we use that worksheet as the beginning data gathering for having the, the consultation. And I, I just walk right through a list of you know, questions. I look at their assets, their liabilities, their net after-tax cash flow, their monthly expenses. And the reason we like to do that from May to November is things come up that might impact their tax return. Selling a stock, having stock options, um, selling a house, buying a house, buying a rental property, starting a new business, whatever it may be. And again, the, the impetus of that is not only do I want to have the financial consultation, 
but I don't want to find out that they did something like selling, you know, a thousand shares of Amazon stock in March. I want to know they did that before November so I can help them with the tax planning because that's going to cost them a lot of taxes. So it's all integrated in one way to minimize issues, but also give them the most advice we can. Okay. And that, that proactivity probably lends itself to preventing a lot of issues that could come up when, if you were just meeting with them once a year in preparation for their taxes. So yeah. I'm, I'm thinking without sharing any personal information or anything confidential, can you think of a, maybe a recent example where you made a big impact on a client's life, maybe um, prevented them from doing something or, or caught something uh, before it became an issue when it came to tax time? Sure. Let me give you two. Uh, one is that one of my clients, uh, here we're in the greater Boston area, so there's a lot of life sciences, biotech, yep. computer technology, and a lot of times the compensation to hire paid executives in these businesses is stock-based compensation, yep. meaning that they've got incentive stock options, mm-hmm. non-qualified options, restricted stock units. And um, one of our clients was about to make what I would call a, a mistake but he was about to exercise a bunch of incentive stock options in his company. He did not realize that there's an alternative minimum tax issue with that. So by us having our financial planning meeting, and he told me he was putting aside some money to do the stock exercise, I was able to walk through with him what the actual cost of that exercise would be. It wasn't the $2 per share he was exercising. It was really the 80, 90, $100,000 of extra tax he was taking on by exercising that option in advance. Better example, perhaps, is I had clients who, again, they're high income, but they were in the process of selling their house for what was a very large profit, buying a new house. They were planning on moving to California, but in actuality, they ended up uh, making a purchase here in Boston. They were trying to also, at the same time, buy a boat, and at the same time, they had borrowed money out of a pension fund, and they were trying to repay that money. And this involves tax issues with regard to the sale of their house and the potential profit, whether they use a mortgage or um, just cash from the sale of their house to buy the new property, but then they also had the boat and whether that qualified as additional mortgage interest or not. And they had the paying back of their pension funds, which could have resulted in a penalty if they hadn't paid them back within a certain period of time. All those things were all part of just an email that the client had sent to me saying, we're a little worried about our cash flow right now. Can we talk? And all these other issues came up. What I felt in helping them eliminate some of the tax issues, eliminate some of the cash flow issues, make them feel more comfortable about the purchase of the new house, they had a sense of relief mm-hmm. that they were doing everything that they could do to minimize the negative implications. It was really just, you know, it, it was a worthwhile conversation. But my point is that it gave them tremendous relief to know that they could do all the things that they were doing. Yeah, and the proper direction to move in. And hopefully, I'm hoping you, you talked them out of buying the boat. Unfortunately, I did not. <laughs> that was sort of already a deposit they made. But, oh. you know, one of the things, again, accountants have a bad reputation of putting people on strict budgets or telling people okay. they can't do things. My right. job is to help them do the things they want to do. I like to yeah. say to my clients that I'm not expecting them to eat ramen noodles every night for dinner. I want them to have a life, but it has to be done in a certain way. Yeah. Well, those are the two worst, the two best days in the boat owner's life, right? The day they buy it and the day they sell it. And they usually are, the day true. they sell it is the better day. <laughs> okay, so outside of your practice, let's switch gears a little bit. Is there something that you are very passionate about personally? 
Oh, well, if you can see behind me, you see my penguins. I was going to ask you about the penguins. If you didn't, if you couldn't think of anything, I was going to ask you about that. So what's the deal with the penguins? It's something to collect. I fell in love with penguins back with the movie Mary Poppins and the okay. dancing penguins and the scene yeah. with the carousel. And then the book, Mr. Popper's Penguins. But what, what happened is, and perhaps this is, again, an example of, of how a professional can have a close relationship with their clients. I like to joke that the penguins are good icebreakers. But yeah. when a client meets me and sees the penguins, there's always a discussion of why. Yeah. But what also happens is if they see a penguin, they're thinking about me. It's like a branding. It's, okay. You know, when, yeah. when they see penguins, they think of Jeff. Yeah. But also sometimes when they see a penguin, they send me some penguin paraphernalia. So that's cute, too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it, it's really just I just think penguins are cute. They're also um, and they have a very interesting life. If you saw the movie, The March of the Penguins, yeah. they are fascinating animals. So yeah. that's them. Other than that, you know, other than work and everything else, there's always golf. There's always cooking and other other friendships. But uh, yeah. my penguins are my are my uh, fantasy. Awesome. <laughs> I'm right there with you on the golf. Enjoy playing. <laughs> I got young yeah. kids, though, so they're kind of crimping my style. But eventually they'll grow up and have lives of their own. Well, okay, if so the, if you teach them how to play golf, then you can get out on the course with your kids. Yes, which is... and that's that's happening. So yeah. and that's starting yeah. to starting to happen. So I'm really enjoying that. All right, so let's switch back. I have a question. Um, we talked about some of the areas that you find really satisfying. Is there an area of the business that you see as like a challenge or an obstacle that uh, is yet to be overcome? Well, unfortunately, the biggest obstacle is really the ever-changing tax law. Mm. Um, again, I graduated college in 1978. I hate to give away my age, but I'll say that I, <laughs> I graduated in 78. And if you go back and look at the number of federal tax law changes from that date forward, it has been incredibly challenging. And uh, I have a master's degree in taxation. I know how to read the tax law, but it's getting more and more complex. And that's in a way sad. We, some of us accountants have an expression that if every senator and congressperson had to do their own tax return, the laws would be a lot simpler. And I am all in favor of that. I feel I can still do my financial therapy even with simple tax laws. But that, that's been the, the toughest challenge is that, for instance, if you were to say to me today, how do I plan for my estate planning over the next few years? Well, we have the 2017 tax law that was phased in, yeah. but only effective through 2025. So a huge change could happen with federal estate tax law in 2026. But we don't know. Maybe that'll get extended. Maybe it'll change. So it's interesting because when you're dealing, say, with the stock market or questions on insurance or whatever, you know there's an element of risk or also an element of just unknowing the future. But then you add on to it the unknowing of tax law, and it makes it more challenging. Yeah. Then you're having to answer a lot of questions with, uh, well, it depends. Or, or this is the way it's working right now. <laughs> so that's my favorite expression, Chris. You actually you, uh, oh, you, no. you, you put it in. I like to say to people when they ask me a question like, should I have a mortgage or should I buy or lease a car or whatever? I like to say to them, you know, over 41 years, I've accumulated a lot of knowledge and I found that I am right 99.9% .9 of the time. And yet 41 years, I haven't been able to get that extra 0.1%. Yeah. But the reason I'm right 99.7% of the time is the answer is it depends. Yeah. And then you have to walk through. Well, it depends on this. It depends on that. And it depends on that. But somewhere along the line, you're going to come to a good answer. It might not be yeah. entirely right, but it's never cut and dry because it always depends. Yeah. Well, and, you, and when you have good relationships, implicit trust with people, 
we talked about the next question. So the follow-up question to that is usually, well, what would you do <laughs> if you were me? So, so what should I do, right? Because I think people, they want to be led. I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I mean, you know, they want someone that they trust to give them their opinion on what they would do if it was them or if it was their mother or whatever that might be. Well, that does come up. And so what I prefer to do is give them a list of yeah. a list of things they could do. Yeah. And I am somewhat forceful. If, if I feel they should have more money in savings or if I feel they should be investing in a mutual fund or putting money in an IRA, that I can recommend. That I can yeah. say, here's what I would do and this is why. But a lot of times I do have to lay out choices and say, it's your money. You need to yeah. now move forward with the implementation. But this is this is a logical way to look at it. Mm-hmm. But you're yeah. right that many people would rather you just make the decision, but I can't do that. Yeah. So if people want to learn more about you or your, or your practice, um, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, we do have a website. It's www.alcon-levine.com. So www.alcon-levine.com. You can also Google us. Um, I am, as you said, I'm on several prior broadcasts or newspaper articles or magazine articles. The, the website's the best way. Okay. And I want to encourage everyone to check that out. Uh, Jeff, I want to thank you for taking the time to be here with me today. This has been very informative. I had a lot of fun. And I want to thank everyone for tuning in and watching, listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we are hoping to raise the retirement confidence of everyday people and business owners to another level, one show at a time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, watching, and listening. Take care. Be well. And we will see you next time. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you, Chris. You'd be well. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.